Connecting life and faith. This is Connection. Through a series of events, I was raised in a religious home, Christian home, um, but actually uh, fell away from God. I, you know, my marriage wasn't doing good. Uh, the restaurant was doing really well, but lots of pressure. And we started to turn to drugs and alcohol. And it's fascinating because uh, in my trying to cope with pressure, stress, and the things of life, turning to drugs and alcohol. We've, we've been partying for five days. It was February 7th, 2003. And uh, we were about to go out again for another night of partying. And God showed up in my house. Just when they thought they were stuck, God showed up in their lives. And their lives were changed forever. We're joined today by author, speaker, and pastor Jim Kyles. He recently wrote a book, Unstuck and Unstoppable, Shake Off the Past, Find Your Purpose, Get On With Your Life. And in there, he discusses how to live your life with purpose and passion and how to forgive those who hurt you and how to become unstuck and unstoppable. We're going to hear all of that and so much more today on Connections. Jim Kyles joins us today. He is an author, speaker, and pastor. Um, Jim, we're going to talk about your new book shortly here today, but let's get to know you a little bit first. I know you and your wife started a church some years ago. Tell us a little bit about your ministry that you have. Yeah, so we started it. It's almost a decade. It was nine, nine and a half years ago, and we started in my living room. And then, uh, yeah, just had a handful of people, a lot of passion, a lot of vision that grew um, and then today we we you know we have our own location. We were portable for eight and a half years, and then in the middle of COVID, what's crazy is that God allowed us to buy our first campus, retrofit it, and so it's been great. We're growing. We have three services. Uh, we run about seven fifty to eight hundred people on a Sunday right now, so it's been great. Now, and you weren't always in ministry, right? Uh, you're a bit of an <clears throat> entrepreneur as well. What? How'd you feel that pull out of the business world and into ministry? Yeah, so the it, it was very interesting. Um, you know, I'm an entrepreneur. My my family, we were raised in a family of restaurants, and so it's just what was in my blood. And then uh, in 2003, I had a restaurant. We owned a lot of real estate. Or I say a lot. We, me and my wife, had multiple properties with my brother and. Uh, through a series of events, I was raised in a religious home, Christian home, um, but actually uh, fell away from God. I, you know, my marriage wasn't doing good. Uh, the restaurant was doing really well, but lots of pressure. And we started to turn to drugs and alcohol. And it's fascinating because uh, in my, you know, trying to cope with pressure, stress, and the things of life, turning to drugs and alcohol. We, we'd been partying for five days. It was February 7, 2003, and uh, we were about to go out again for another night of partying, and God showed up in my house. It was really interesting. I wasn't looking for God, but God came looking for me. And um, at 12.30 at night, I had a visitation, kicked everybody out of the house, my wife was there with me. God touched her. And from that moment on, I said, God, I'll give you everything. I'll give my life to you. And uh, I want to help people experience what I experienced. And then within a year, it was fascinating. <clears throat> Restaurant shut down. Uh, and it was, un it, it was an unjust shutdown. In other words, the landlord wanted the business. We were doing so well. 
Uh, we won in court, but that was six to eight weeks later. Lawyers got all the finances. And then um, from there was went into full-time ministry. A year later, I was in the Amazon River uh, on a mission trip, and someone invited me to come and apply for a full-time ministry job. And long story short, accepted it, and then just continued to serve God full-time vocationally. And then in 2008, helped start a campus in Houston, and then in 2012, started the process to launch our church. And so that's a kind of a nutshell of a story of kind of how, but it was fascinating. God set us on this road, had no idea. In fact, it was really funny. Back then, the one thing I said I would never do is pastor. And yet God has such a sense of humor. So here I'm pastoring. What was that transition like? Because that's a bit of a roller coaster that you went on there. <laughs> yeah, well, it was progressive. You know, that was back in 2003, 2005, full-time ministry. I loved it because I, uh, for me, what I did was take thousands. I led thousands of leaders or hundreds of leaders who led thousands of teenagers on mission trips all around the world. So I love that. That to me was the excitement, the adventure organizing, raising up leaders, communicating, things like that. That was fascinating. It was fantastic. And then when I came to Houston, it was very interesting. It's not that I wanted to come to Houston per se to help launch the campus of that church. I felt God was sending me on an assignment. And uh, I think I was bamboozled too. In, In other words, God didn't tell me the full story or I probably wouldn't have done it because it was like, hey, come down, be the executive pastor. Well, that's a lot of my skill set. And then, of course, within six months, I'm not just the executive pastor. I'm a youth pastor and all these other things that I would have never done voluntarily. But isn't it funny how God will orchestrate the events of your life to do what he wants, not what you want? And then, of course, I just fell in love with pastoring and then uh, just launched this church. And so it's been doing it ever since. Now, you're also an author. Your book is Unstuck and Unstoppable. Shake off the past, find your purpose, get on with your life. Now, this sounds like it's it's coming from your story. It is. Well, and really, it's interesting. I wasn't planning on writing this book. I was uh, actually stuck in 2020. We all went through a global pandemic. And so what's fascinating about that is what do you do when you're the one that's supposed to give hope, but you don't feel hope? What do you do when you're the one that's supposed to help people get unstuck and you don't and you feel stuck? So it was July 2020. We're purchasing the, this campus that we have, this uh, great property location. We were moving from portable to permanent. COVID hits. Uh, we went from an on-site church to an online church. Um, who knew in 2020 we'd all be homeschooling our kids? I don't know about you, but I didn't uh, didn't realize life was going to be at the house and just really felt stuck. So I was having a pity party crying out to God, just, hey, I need you to help me. And then he just brought me to Acts chapter 27, 28. This is what started the journey. Uh, Paul is shipwrecked on the island of, of Malta, and he had given warnings, hey, we're, we're, this isn't safe, didn't intend to get shipwrecked, gets shipwrecked. Um, and over the next couple of uh, months, you know, would experience highs and lows, got bit by a viper, should have died, People are lying about him, talking about him. He doesn't get phased by it. He ends up turning what was a bad situation into a great situation. Revival breaks out. People get healed. And then in Acts 28.10, it says these fascinating words that set me on this journey. And when they were ready, they set sail. The people provided what they need for them to set sail. So in other words, they're shipwrecked. 
but when they were ready. So when Paul's assignment was done, God provided a way for him to get out. So in other words, being stuck is not passive. And there's an assignment when you feel like you're stuck. It's, it's always just fascinating. Then again, I just felt the Lord said, stop having a pity party, get to work. And, and I did. And I felt through that, that I discovered some things that helped me not only get unstuck, but become unstoppable. And then I shared it with our congregation, shared it with people, resonated with people. And that's how the book came out. So it wasn't intended to be a book. It was like, hey, God, I just need help. And then out of that, the message resonated. And of course, it's been received, you know, with great, I mean, it's it's been well received. You mentioned that, uh, well, you described it as like a pity party for yourself. I mean, I think it's okay sometimes to be down, right? And that's a natural response. But an important piece of your book is helping us identify like those negative, I don't know, like negative self-talk, maybe. Is that a good way to say it? Like, how do we? put our finger on that and when do we know like okay like i should just move on how do i do that <laughs> well there that's a great question and yes absolutely the negative self talk is part of it and and yes i mean the truth is we we were created with emotions it's okay to feel an emotion what i have to do is not allow that emotion to lead my life i can't let my life be driven by emotion so feel it embrace it and then make a quality decision that I'm going to move forward. So, and then you talked about the, you know, the thought like, well, when we talk about you, you're alluding to the subconscious paradigm, which is what I talk about in chapter 10 and 11, which is fascinating how we find ourselves secretly sabotaging ourselves. So yeah. many times I think the enemy, the devil, other people get too much credit. They're not sabotaging your life. The truth is, We have thoughts inside of us that have been placed there since we were young many times. Most of them are environmentally conditioned thoughts that sabotage us secretly in our life. And so the thing that I have found is this. Where is it that I continually feel stuck? That's what I would first do is identify. So maybe it's financially. Someone says, no matter how many raises I get, no matter what great things happen to me financially, I find myself drowning in debt never being able to make it, pay the bills, or somehow I sabotage that area of my life. Well, you just got to go back to that area and say there is a paradigm, a subconscious pattern of thought that is sabotaging this area of my life. And many times it's something that happened when they're a child. Uh, the Subconscious paradigms are the unseen programming that run in the background of our life, and they're formed in two ways. Number one, environmental conditioning, the environments that we're raised in. And number two, heightened emotional experiences. When we have a heightened emotional experience, there are thoughts that flood into our mind, and those thoughts are not what have power. It's when we believe those thoughts. So if it's a positive thought and we believe it, that's amazing. So you hit a grand slam, you're playing baseball, and you you hit it, the thought comes, I'm really good at sports. That's awesome. That's a great thought. I'm athletic. Boom. I believe it. It's part of my subconscious. It becomes part of my paradigm, my filter in life. But for me as a 12-year-old, when I hit the grand slam and thought, man, I'm great at athletics, and I talk about this even in the book, I was looking in the stands and my dad was not there. He had said he would show up, he'd be at this game, and another subconscious thought was planted inside 
of my heart, and that's you're not valuable enough for your dad to show up, then why would you be valuable enough for anyone else to show up in your life? And so this this thought, yeah, and it's funny how they were both extremes. One is you're a great athlete. One is you're not valuable enough for people to show up in your life, and both of which impacted me in a big way. But I didn't realize it till when I got married. What did I do? I began to push my wife away. We'd just been married a year because I felt like if I'm not good enough for my dad to love me and show up, how could I be good enough for you to love me and show up? And so I had to address that even as a young married man, not realizing that that thought had been planted in my life. And I think that's what we have to do when we recognize there's an area that we are struggling in. What is a self-sabotaging paradigm or habit of thought that I'm thinking about that I need to address. What I like about what you're saying, though, too, is so we get unstuck. Yep. But in the end, we're unstoppable. I like that you added the unstoppable part. So let's get past that. Let's move yes. on and let's keep going and let's keep powering through this. That's right. Well, and one of the things that I love about the unstuck and unstoppable is that there's really four essential building blocks and there's others, but I talk about this in the book. If you'll discover your identity in Christ, and I took this example from the life of Paul. When you read of, of the story of Paul, he is beaten, he's shipwrecked, he's stoned, left for dead. It says danger in the field, danger. I mean, this man was anything but an easy life, but he never got stuck. And what you discover is there's four things that he had and understood that made him unstoppable. Now, unstoppable doesn't mean you never feel stuck. It just means you don't stay stuck. We all feel stuck. That's normal. Um, but it's identity, who he was in Christ. Second thing is purpose, what his assignment was right now. Uh, and I do have to tell you, uh, purpose doesn't always feel good. You know, there's a whole great resignation that's taking place in America. It's like, well, I don't want to do it if I don't like it or feel it. Well, I agree with some of that, but how many know David was faithful in the field? And there are moments where we're on an assignment that's my purpose, even though it's not exactly everything that I love. God's building character. And so your purpose, sometimes purpose is painful. So you got to know what your assignment is today. The third thing is the vision. Where am I going? And I find that people will have a vision for their company, their job, but you don't have a vision for your marriage. You don't have a vision for your health. You don't have a vision for your family. You don't have a vision for your finances. And when a day of pain comes, all you can see is the image of the pain and the reality that you're in right now. So vision pulls you beyond the day of pain. And then the last thing we talked about was your subconscious paradigm. And this is what I thought the whole book would be about. It's uh, you don't hear people talk about your subconscious habit of thought. And yet, Paul, when you unveil it and look at it, Romans 12, 2, don't be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Uh, and it's amazing when he talks about that, when you go to the original words, there is an implied habit of thought. So he addresses this subconscious paradigm and what most people don't realize. When Paul had a conversion experience, he didn't go right into ministry. He went on the backside of the Arabian desert for three years. And here's another thing most people don't realize. He didn't go on his first missionary journey until 14 years after his conversion. God so had been long? working on him day in, day out, week in, week out, month in, month out, year after year. And so sometimes we get saved or we give our life to Christ and we're like, why am I not different? No, no, no. It is transformation that takes time. I, that's a good reminder for people like 
me and it's been like 15 <laughs> years now and now I'm getting it like oh now I'm seeing a little bit of change at least right so yeah. but I remember that in the early days and uh being like what's wrong with me I haven't changed really have I I just yeah. believe differently but I'm not acting differently even though yeah. I was right? right but it wasn't enough for me well I you're not a you're not alone I <laughs> promise you I'm a pastor and I regularly <laughs> think I laugh I'm like god okay if you you can use me and I, I think it's, you know, you have to look at your own life with a sense of humor. Like, God's not done. I'm a work in progress. Otherwise, we get frustrated, right? Why am I not further along? Why have I not gotten better? And then if that's the case, and maybe we do get stale and stagnant, you just evaluate it and say, I'm going to get better. And I love the 1% rule, right? I just want to get better 1%. Today, can I be 1% better than I was yesterday? Well, that's that's so much do, more doable for me. You know, just give me a little win. <laughs> I like having that vision too, right? Like what I was hearing as you were talking was like, it's kingdom vision then. It's a a reminder to set your sights on the kingdom and things are going to happen and life's going to come at you. You could be shipwrecked or sitting in a prison, but you have that kingdom vision. You keep pressing forward and nothing, well, nothing yet kept Paul back like you've been saying. I love it. Well, and it's fascinating. We become what we behold. So here's the challenge with someone who feels stuck. Maybe someone's listening right now, watching right now. When you're stuck, all you see is the pain that you're in. You reproduce what you look at and what you envision. So if you feel like my marriage will never get better, you know, all we ever do is fight. You just list it out. You're going to subconsciously fulfill that vision, which is why vision doesn't necessarily even need to be spoken of in the future tense. It's like my marriage is healthy now. My wife and I communicate well now. We love to spend time together now. And you create a new vision and a new reality, and then it's all based out of God's Word. What does God's Word say? That That's a street magician's trick, actually. When they, like, do the pick a number, any number, they actually plant <laughs> they those do. numbers all around down the block as you're walking, 711, 7-11, 7-11, 7-11, 7-11, and then pick a number, any number. What do you know? It's that number that they've planted everywhere and you've been looking at subconsciously. It's the power of the subconscious mind. Well, here's what's fascinating. The National Science Foundation did a study. As a person, we have twelve to 60,000 thoughts in a day. Imagine that. that. <laughs> and then of that, 80% of those thoughts are negative and 95% of those thoughts are repetitive. And so that subconscious, if we're not feeding it the word of God, if we're not bringing new life, new perspective, new vision, fresh vision, then we simply reproduce the old life we've been having and then wonder why we're stuck. Mm -hmm. Speaking of new perspective, I know this is giving me new perspective. I know that I'm thinking all these things right now in my brain. What about those who've had the opportunity to read your book? What are they saying? How has this impacted them? It's been pretty fascinating and overwhelming. It's, you know, to hear the results. I actually just had someone message me on social media and to hear, man, my, to get the perspective. I didn't realize the importance of vision. The one that I hear often too is the paradigm. Um, man, how is it that that has sabotaged my life for so long and I wasn't even aware of it, that I was saved, but secretly self-sabotaging my life. That's one of the biggest things that I hear often. It's amazing to me to see the freedom that comes when you can expose the enemy's tactics to try to hold us back, to try to keep us from being all that God created us to be. 
we are running out of time. We need to have you back in the new year because uh, Colleen and I are messaging like, oh, this is good. This is good. (laughs) So tell us about the book one more time where we can find it right now. Maybe start this journey for ourselves and then we'll get you in January or February to help us continue the journey. Well, thank you. They can go to my website, jimkyles.com. I do spell it J-I-M-N-K-Y-L-E-S.com. They can also go to Amazon. You know, if you're not a reader, but you want to listen to it, it's on Audible. You can also get the Kindle version. All that's on Amazon. And uh, yeah, that'd be great. Would love to hear your story as well. Message us. Let us know the impact. And uh, we'll continue to cheer you on and pray for you. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Colleen. And thank you so much for joining us and for listening today. Don't forget to subscribe. We'll talk to you again on Connections.